ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Roughing the Podcast. We've got our seventh of eighth eight installments in our draft profiles series. Uh, today we're talking about the NFC West. So looking forward to that. Here with my co-host Devin. Devin, how are we this evening? We're fantastic. Excited to talk about some football. It's almost draft week. We're not quite there. And actually on the East Coast, we are there. It is officially draft week on the East Coast. Congrats to you guys. But uh, that train's just going to keep on rolling. We're going to be in draft week soon. And draft's going to be here before we know it. So really looking forward to that. But uh, we're going to talk about four teams and how they're preparing for that today. So let's start with the team that finished last in the West last year, and that is the Seattle Seahawks. Devin, what are your initial thoughts? on the Seahawks. I'm kind of confused with the Seattle Seahawks. I really don't understand why Pete Carroll would be in agreement to do like a half-hearted rebuild while when he turns 70 or he is 70, he turns 71 this year or he might turn 70 this year. Either way, he's a super old head coach who you would assume would not be looking forward to a rebuild, but it's kind of what he's doing in most people's eyes. In his eyes, he doesn't think he's doing that because he believes in Drew Locke. He believes in his defense, even though they're getting rid of these key pieces here and there. Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson, they're both gone. There's been rumors about DK Metcalf for the right offer could be traded. All of these people are either gone or could be gone if the right offer comes about and that seems like a rebuild to me Cody what do you think yeah I mean definitely selling these guys that have been cornerstones of that franchise for a lot of years um and I mean honestly they were played by injury last year obviously Rust was hurt for a portion of the year Chris Carson was hurt for a portion of the year um I believe Jamal Adams also dealt with some injuries. It seems like he deals with injuries about every year, um, but not the greatest year for them overall last year. They were middle of the pack in points towards the bottom end in scoring, especially on or yardage, especially on defense, 28th in yards allowed, 31st in passing defense, 23rd in passing offense. Uh, again, without Russ, um, 11th and 17th in rushing so they're a team that really is looking for a bounce back but they're in a spot where they've got a tough division i mean all the other teams in that division made the playoffs last year and you're you're now saying okay unless we draft somebody drew locks our guy at quarterback from russell wilson like man that's a that's a tough that you're tough to sell to me i don't know how pete carroll's buying it like you said yeah, I'm definitely not buying it. I mean, Drew Locke, I mean, he, he had flashes in Denver, but he has not shown that he can be a solid QB1 for an NFL team. So maybe they see something different. Maybe they think they can develop him more than what they could in Denver. But either way, you would think that they would want to go quarterback in the draft, but with the way it's looking and the way things are floating around the league, it doesn't really seem like they're targeting a quarterback in the first round. Maybe they go with one like 
Sam Howell in the second round, but it's not looking like they're interested in one at 12 overall. Yeah, and I mean, quarterback, I mean, isn't really the only need. I mean, skill-wise, assuming they don't continue the sell-on-the-farm trend, I mean, they have talent on offense. Rashad Penny showed flashes when he got the chance last year. Chris Carson, DK, Tyler Lockett, of course. Uh, Noah Fant, Will Disley at tight end. So really not a lot of skill position need there. Uh, I would say offensive line is a need, though. Uh, I mean, losing Dwayne Brown, I think, is a big hit. He's still out there. Uh, so maybe he ends up coming back on a smaller deal since he's not really getting the interest that he might have expected. But otherwise, I think, I mean, r- one of the reasons Russ wanted to leave was because the protection was so bad. Um, so I think that, yeah, 46 sacks for their two quarterbacks last year, that's a big, big number. Um, so I think offensive line is a huge need for them. Uh, and now with they need somebody to replace Bobby Wagner, and they probably need de- defensive line help also. So even if they decide not to go quarterback, there is plenty of uh, areas they can look with that first round pick yeah absolutely one person i really like they've they have added to this defensive backfield um quite a bit i mean they re-signed quandre Diggs at safety they signed sydney jones at cornerback sydney jones is actually only 26 so he's still young quandre Diggs is a little older at 29 and both have had some injury issues in the past but i think if both are healthy they're both solid options in that defensive backfield and I would really like to see Seattle take Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU here at pick nine. I correct myself. I said 12 earlier. They're pick nine after trading Russell Wilson to the Broncos. But if Derek Stingley is available, I think they bite on him. He is such a great lockdown corner. As long as he's playing up to his standard and up to what we've seen from him at LSU, he did have an injury-ridden season um, in 2020, and he didn't really return to his 2019 form last year. But as long as he can get back to what he looked like in LSU's championship run, I think he will be a great cornerback for this team. And to learn from a guy like Sidney Jones and even some defensive back help like Quandre Diggs, I think they can have a great defensive back room. And they even added depth pieces like Artie Burns, who really was not great in his first four years coming into the NFL um, out of the first round. He went to Pittsburgh allowed 15 touchdowns and about 1,600 yards in those first four years. But then he went to Chicago, where he actually had a solid year or two under their defensive coordinator, who is now an assistant head coach in Seattle. So I think Artie Burns can have kind of a little bit of a resurrection as like a slot piece or a depth piece in that cornerback room as well. Yeah, I mean, continue, and it'd be cool for cool for him to team up with fellow Tiger Jamal Adams in that secondary. Another yeah. guy for him to learn from. Absolutely. Uh, I think as long as, like I said, as long as he can return to his 2019 form and get rid of that injury bug that he had, he will be a great cornerback in this league. He was so prolific at cornerback in 2019. So hopefully he can get back there. And if he does, he's going to be a great cornerback on this team. Yeah, LSU making their case for DBU in recent history for sure. 
Um, so yeah, a lot of it'll be interesting to see where this team goes. Will they continue the fire sale? Will they lean on Drew Locke as the guy at quarterback? What will what will they do? How will they will they try to compete in that tough division to compete in, or what? They're in an interesting spot, and with like like you said, with an aging head coach too, it raised a lot of questions. I mean, we just saw Arians uh, hand out, hand over the reins, and uh, while the team was still in good shape, it looks like Pete Carroll might be trying to do something quite a bit different than that. But we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said earlier, that offensive tackle position looks like it needs a big hole filled, especially if Dwayne Brown. Um, isn't back and it doesn't look like he's going to be. Um, but Charles Cross, if he falls to nine, he's kind of predicted to go around six where uh, Carolina is because they need offensive tackle help desperately as well. But they're more projected to go with a quarterback. So if if they pass on Charles Cross and he falls past um, New York at seven, I think Seattle would be a great fit for him as well at that offensive tackle position and he'd be a dominant Dominant piece there for quite a while in that offense. So we'll move on from them. Uh, Devin, where are we headed next? All right, Cody, we're going to head down to the desert just south of Seattle, quite a ways actually, to the Arizona Cardinals. They finished the year um, 11-6 and overall, but they only won four of their last 10 games. They started 7-0. and So they kind of had a bit of a downfall, and it wasn't really a pretty one. And in the midst of all of this, now there is some debate over whether or not Kyler Murray will be their quarterback this year. What do you think? I think he will. I think, I mean, you just get a little bit of drama queens here and there every year. And I think that's what this comes down to. I think he's their guy. He was their first overall pick. He didn't have the greatest performance down the stretch um, that game against the Rams really sticks in my head. Um, a particular play where he threw a pick six on about his own goal line. But um, he was plagued by losing his best receiver partway through the season. And that kind of really contributed to that downfall. Uh, the timing of it strongly correlated losing DeAndre Hopkins. But um, I think, I don't think that they have questions, as many questions as it might seem in that quarterback room. Uh, going into this year yeah I would agree with you I think it's all just kind of a little bit of a drama play trying to get a little more money out of the team Um, and like you said once DeAndre Hopkins went down it wasn't really pretty for this team and they even lost tight end Max Williams who was having a really really good start to the season but they lost him in week five so they really weren't able to get all of what he had to offer early on in the season Um, they re-signed tight end Zach Ertz to a three-year 31 million dollar deal um, I think this is good for the team. Um, and they even re-signed Max Williams as well to a one-year deal. So they do have those that one-two tight end um, in Zach Ertz and Max Williams. And I think that'll be good, at least for this one year. As long If Max Williams performs well, I think they keep him for the foreseeable future to kind of bring him around once Zach Ertz kind of phases out after his three-year deal. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, for a team that really didn't do much on the positive side this offseason, I really like keeping Ertz. I think he's a veteran. He's a leader. I think he still has talent on the table. It just kind of got overshadowed by Dallas Goddard in Philadelphia. Um, really like how he performed for them down the stretch, 
became a reliable target for Murray in the absence of Hopkins. And yeah, they get Max Williams back too. Um, so just more weapons. Uh, when really, I think the loss of Christian Kirk at wide receiver is a big one for them. I'm a big fan of his um, losing him. I mean, they still have Hopkins obviously at the top of the depth chart, but then uh, Rondale Moore, uh, the second year uh, receiver, and then out of Purdue, and then they signed A.J. Green. But, man, A.J. Green's getting old and seems like he can never stay healthy for a full season. So um, could potentially look to, for them to bolster that wide receiver room in this draft. But um, making sure to keep as many weapons as they can around. Tyler, who's obviously a weapon himself, also really liked that they paid James Conner. Dude was a touchdown machine last year. Um, really got the chance to shine. Uh, and now without Chase Edmonds there, I look for him to take even more of a feature role. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it gives us uh, some clarity in that backfield since – and we ha- we really haven't had clarity in their backfield, backfield since David Johnson had his great year with them, great two years. Um but then once Chase Edmonds came in, it was kind of a running back by committee, but it looks like they're turning towards a solid RB1, and they're not really going to turn away from him. He's a great receiver. As long as he holds up, his durability has been something that has kind of plagued him in the past, but if he holds up, he'll be a great running back again for this team for the foreseeable future. Signed a three-year deal, about $21 million, um, and then it could go to 25 and a half with incentives and everything like that once you throw that in there, but... That's a good deal for him. He's earned it, especially after last year. Um, happy for him. Glad that they finally made that choice and were like, okay, we need to stop with the running back by committee because it's not really working. Nobody's able to really mesh with the offense in one series at a time. Like you have to, that stuff has to v- develop over time. And when you're not doing that in game, it doesn't really work out all that well. Um, but yeah, James Conner should be good for this team, especially in the next few years. Yeah, uh, so with that, I think we can move to needs that they still have. Like I said, they could use one more receiver for sure, but uh, also could add to that offensive line. Uh, I think their quarterbacks were sacked close to 40 times last year. Uh, Yeah, 39. So, and they didn't really do anything to help it this offseason. So, uh, could use some help there. Also, big losses at linebacker Chandler Jones to the Raiders and Jordan Hicks to the Vikings. Definitely need to look to replace those guys. Uh, and they could also use a corner. I mean, they obviously got Buda Baker anchoring that secondary, but could use a corner. They lost Malcolm Butler um, just to help that defense uh, to take the pressure off of Kyler Murray. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some draft prospects that I see them possibly going with. Um, you got Tyler Lindenbaum from Iowa, great center. You got Zion Johnson, a guard. Um, you've got Andrew Booth at cornerback, like you said, is a positional need for them. If he's there at 23, they could take him. Um, I also could see them going with a guy like Traylon Burks, uh, replacing Christian Kirk at wide receiver. And then you also have Kenyon Green, another interior offensive lineman. Um, all of those are good prospects that could easily fit with this team and could be plug and play. Um, day one starters for, for the Cardinals going forward. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they have talent. We'll be interested to see how they replace their losses on defense because uh, 
I mean, with San Francisco and the Rams, those are two explosive offenses, so they're going to need a defense uh, to help. Getting J.J. Watt back, hopefully J.J. Watt can stay healthy um, to kind of be a leader on that defense with the loss of Chandler Jones, who had a kind of a resurgent year last year. But, I mean, they were close to the top 10 in every category, offensive and defensive. So, I mean, they're right there. They have the talent to be right there shore up that defense a little bit and do their best to compete in a tough division. Obviously we're talking about them this late because they all did fairly well last year. So, um, and like I said, the Cardinals made the playoffs and finished the third best in the, in their own division. So. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to our next team. We got San Francisco up next. Cody, what do you think about San Francisco's off season as a whole? Um, I think San Francisco's offense season as a whole is yet to be defined. It's, it's, <laughs> it's being defined this week. That's uh, fair. That's a fair point. Lots the, of news has come out recently. The drama being that Debo Samuel wants out. Debo Samuel, who did everything for that team last year, kind of was the anchor amongst, oh, who's going to be our quarterback? Uh, he was that guy running the ball, catching the ball, doing everything for them, throwing the ball. And now he wants out and they don't want to let him out. But usually when that happens, you're looking at holdout. So that's a big question mark for them. And I think it's an issue that they need to get addressed. They either need to get something for him or they need to figure out what they're going to do if he holds out because, um, I'm just not quite sold on Jimmy G or Trey Lance at quarterback to run that team. Uh, would you agree, Devin? Yes, and partly no. I I agree that what I kind don't. Of answer is that Devin? I, mean, <laughs> um, I just choose both. That's all. No, I I really like their offense, but it's so hard to find a quarterback who can do both what Jimmy G can do. In terms of, I'm just going to run this offense. We're going to do run the ball first. I'm just going to be kind of that field general, just pick and choose and place the ball. And that's all I need to do. That's all I need to do. I just need to snap the ball and hand it off or sometimes make a throw. But then you have a guy like Trey Lance, who's basically the exact opposite of Jimmy G in a very, very mobile quarterback who's not quite as strong or not quite as accurate a passer as Jimmy Garoppolo was. But at the same time, like he has the potential to do so. And if they think he can, then I think he can run this offense well. But you have to find that balance because they, they use so much of that run game and they really need a mobile quarterback to bring this offense to what it could be. And Jimmy Garoppolo is not the answer there. So I think Trey Lance is definitely the better fit for Kyle Shanahan's offense and the 49ers in general over Jimmy G. That brings us to my next question, at least, Cody. What do you think is going on with Jimmy Garoppolo? Do they just are they just going to leave him on the roster? I mean, I think so. I think for them, he feels like a safety net, and it doesn't seem like they. There's many many teams that are interested in having him, so I see them doing the quarterback by committee thing for another year, where. Both these guys have very distinct roles. They'll probably, I would think that, I mean, their draft capital is low this year because they traded 
they made their move for Trey Lance last year. I would think they would look to grow his role, but I think Jimmy G still functions as a leader for that team and as a quarterback for that team. I mean, he's taken them to the Super Bowl once and the NFC Championship once, and he hasn't been there that long at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I, so. I agree with you. I just don't know that I like them paying him almost $25 million to be a backup. Well, hey, if they keep pulling talent from their depths and not having to pay talent a whole lot of money, more power to them. I mean, you look at guys like Debo, who, I mean, now he wants to get paid, but they got a good year out of him before he wanted to get paid. <laughs> uh, somebody like Ayuk, who had a good year uh, two years ago and had a good second half of the season last year. Um, and the same thing on defense. It seems like they're never paying free agents. They're always just raising these guys up from within and uh, performing. I mean, you look at this team, they were ninth in scoring defense, third in yardage defense last year, uh, 13th in scoring offense, seventh in uh, yardage. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of holes on paper, but, and maybe that's why it, doesn't really seem like they address very many holes in free agency. I mean, a lot of just depth pieces and not really any staples. The one signing I will point out that they made, though, was uh, Traverius Ward from the Chiefs. They signed him to a three-year, $40 million deal. Um, definitely a great piece in that secondary, don't you uh, agree? Yeah, absolutely. I love that uh, three-year, $42 million salary for Traverius Ward. I think they really needed it. Um, I also think that a lot of their moves in free agency have really been focused on special teams and then those depth positions. So I feel like they're comfortable with the starters that they have, um, and they're not really trying to look for replacements. They might in the draft. Um, they might look for another cornerback opposite Traverius Ward. That's where I have them going. Um as like their biggest positional needs still just because you, you want those two solid cornerbacks. They could even go defensive end or offensive line, especially if they want to continue with this run heavy offense. But I mean, you've got Hassan Ridgeway, the defensive tackle signed a one year deal, really just a depth or rotational piece. Uh, same with linebacker or in Burks, um, another one year deal, just a depth piece safety, George Odom, really just special teams. Um, they did resign Jeff Wilson for depth at running back. Um, I still think it's going to be Elijah Mitchell's show. Um, I really like him. I think they really did, too. Almost broke 1,000 yards as a sixth-round rookie last year. Um, and then they went out and got Ray Ray McLeod out of uh, free agent from Pittsburgh for a two-year $10 million deal. He was a really good return man. I think he'll continue to do that for um, San Francisco, maybe keep Debo out of that just to keep him out of harm's way so that they can actually get their money's worth if they decide to pay him or if he decides to accept it, because that's really where it's coming down to is he doesn't want to accept the money that they are offering him. Yeah. So Devin, I'm going to perhaps end our 49ers discussion here with a question. Sure. Would, if you were a head coach, would you rather have San Francisco's offense right now with their quarterback situation with the Debo questions or would you rather have Seattle's offense with Drew Locke and knowing that your front office might be trying to sell away your offense I would rather have the 49ers why I, so 
yes, Debo is questionable to come back. We don't know the entire extent of it, but he is the only piece that's possibly on the table for leaving. Plus, if he were to leave, it would be a trade, and given what he did last year, it would be worth a lot. Now, with Seattle, you don't really know how many pieces you're going to be losing. It's also an older offense. Tyler Lockett is an older receiver. Um, So all around, San Francisco has the better offense, and even without Debo Samuel, I still think San Francisco has the better offense. Um, And last year we saw Trey Lance... like plug in and fill in for uh, Jimmy G and you could take advantage of that and use both of them. If you really wanted to, if depending on the drive, depending on the situation of the game, you could, you could use both of them to your advantage. And I like the flexibility of that more so than, Hey, here's Drew Locke. Go in a couple games. Yeah. I mean, I think I completely agree. I mean, you just look at what that offense does. And at the end of the day, they still have the pieces to do that. I mean, they like I said, we have, they have IU, they have um, Elijah Mitchell, they have uh, Trey Sermon, they have George Kittle, they have Kyle Zuzchek, like for the little check down routes and a strong running game. I mean, you look at Zuzchek and Kittle, man, those guys, as much as they can contribute on their own when they have the ball in their hands, they are some. Fun boys to watch going around blocks, too. So um, I just think that for for that Kyle Shanahan offense, they are still a good team and a good scheme for it, even with their question marks. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on here to our last team in the NFC West. We have your Super Bowl champions, the Los Angeles Rams. Cody, break it down. Yeah, I mean – the window is definitely still open for them. They created a window for themselves. They gave up a lot to do it, but it obviously worked. Uh, Super Bowl champs and returning a lot of pieces necessary to continue that. Um, especially that offense. I mean, Matt Stafford came in. They were seventh in scoring, ninth in yards, fifth in passing. Uh, 25th in rushing, but I look for that to go up with the return of a healthy Cam Akers this next year. Um, all the talent in the world. Stafford's obviously still got it. Uh, Cam Akers uh, in that backfield, along with Darrell Henderson, who had himself a good year when he was healthy last year. Um, wide receiver Cooper Cup, uh, Van Jefferson. Um, I feel like I'm missing one. Allen Robinson. Yes, they pick up Allen Robinson. Like the talent on that offense is crazy. Uh, and defense, I mean, Jalen Ramsey, one of now two $100 million receivers uh, or corners, sorry. Uh, Aaron Donald. Um, Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner. I mean, they, they got some guys that are a little bit older, but they got some guys that can still compete uh for sure yeah absolutely they definitely have the pieces and um they do have some needs i mean every team does let's see here what do we have as their needs we've got offensive line 
some cornerback help opposite Jalen Ramsey, and then linebacker, which they kind of addressed with Bobby Wagner, but it never hurts to have a little bit of depth. Um, Cody, what do you what do you like about um, the Bobby Wagner signing? Uh, I like the veteran leadership. Ultimately, I mean, he he kind of was the the calming. Uh, influence on a team that once had, you know, Richard Sherman, uh, Richard Sherman, uh, and the rest of that Legion of Boom, like trying to make noise. Then there was just Bobby Wagner showing up and taking care of business. I could see him kind of helping Jalen Ramsey become more of a leader and less of a mouthpiece uh, for that team. And I mean, I just think he fills a gap at that interior linebacker for them. Uh, but yeah, I still think there's a need. They need to replace Von Miller, in my opinion, get another pass rusher, somebody to take the pressure off of Donald. Um, for sure. Yeah. The only real issue that the Rams have is their draft capital. They have a lot of picks. They've got like 10 picks, but the first one isn't until pick one Oh two. So that or one Oh four, excuse me. That presents kind of a challenge. You have to hit on that one third round pick, and then you've got the rest on day three. And you have to hit on those, or they're all developmental options. They're not day one starters. Um, unless you hit like Elijah Mitchell did, but even he wasn't a day one starter. It took injuries for him to actually get into the lineup. And when he did, he was fantastic. But those are really, really few and far between picks. And it really depends on scheme. It really depends on fit in that scheme with the player. Um, so we shall see, but I don't see them getting a lot of help for their current roster in the draft come Thursday. Right. And I, I do think there is need on that current roster for help. I mean, like I said, edge rusher, they need to replace Andrew Whitworth and Austin Corbett on that offensive line. And okay. So here's a question. Odell Beckham Jr. Is still on the free agent market. Uh, assuming that he progresses through rehab well, do we see him? I know he wants to come back. Do we see them letting him come back? With a pay cut. I don't think, I mean, he's going to want money based on his name alone. And we have seen him do incredible things throughout his career, but we've also seen the very, very low parts of his career along with those super high highs. So he's going to want money. But if he's willing to take a pay cut for the team, I think the team will say, yeah, we want you back. Um, we'll give you this full year and we'll see what you can do with it. Um, they also signed depth piece Brandon Powell at receiver. So, I mean, he's on a one-year deal. I think Odell would come back on a one- or two-year deal max. I don't think it'll be anything more than that, especially with Allen Robinson coming. The thing about Allen Robinson coming, it means that if Odell does sign, he's no more than the wide receiver three on that team because they signed Robinson to be the wide receiver two. And even with his ego and with his history of being a wide receiver one, that kind of, that's so weird to see Allen Robinson as a wide receiver two on a team because Cooper cup is this wide receiver one. I agree, but I think they fill very different roles. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, we saw cup have his flashes of taking the top off, but he's a different kind of take the top off. He's a, be the guy deep. Robinson's kind of that jump ball, make a play when you need him to. Um, kind of big play guy, whereas I, Cup is kind of the 
just get him the ball, get him as many touches as possible because he's gonna do. He's gonna be electric with the ball in his hands. Yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. And I think if they do sign OBJ, then they have him and Allen Robinson on the outside, and it allows Cooper Cup to go into the slot against these lesser cornerbacks who you could easily beat. Um, I mean, they'll obviously rotate between the three of them on the outside and in the slot and all of that. But Cooper Cup could really excel in the slot this year again. And I really like this receiver room if OBJ comes back, and I like it even if they don't. But if he does, it just turns this offense into even more of a superpower that you really don't want to go up against. Right. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Tyler Higby, who had a year for himself last year also. Um, just because I like... Like you just said, you have all those other weapons taking its attention. It makes it that much easier for these, I don't want to say lesser guys, but like guys that you don't hear about as much to make an impact. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they did sign a couple offensive linemen in free agency. They signed Brian Allen, a center kind of taken over that Andrew Whitworth spot. He signed a three-year $24 million deal, so $8 million a year for a center. Um, he's got some injury risk in his past. He, um, he had a knee injury uh, in 2019 that kind of ended that. Um, so maybe, I mean, if he, it's a short-term contract, right? Three years isn't all that long, um, and there's probably an option to get out of it after two. So if he doesn't perform up to par, then they'll cut him and all will be fine. But it's worth the shot at center, especially when you have that glaring need. Um, Joe Noteboom, a left tackle, they signed him. Three-year deal as well. That one's a little bit more expensive at almost $50 million. So he's he's expected. I'm sorry, he's filling Andrew Whitworth because Andrew Whitworth was a left tackle. Um, he is expected to fill that and not look back. I mean, they're looking at him to be their left tackle. And I think he can fill those shoes. Um, and with those two filling those offensive linemen roles, I think their offensive line is pretty good when you're heading into this year. Now, you obviously don't want all of, like the same offensive line going into 2023, but given the fact that you don't have a first or a second round pick, it's probably fine going into this year. And you have those depth pieces to let them develop once you draft them in round three or four. Very good points. Very good points. So let's briefly, uh, we don't want to keep you guys on here too long, but let's briefly talk about some of the remaining free agents out there on the market uh, and where we could potentially see them going. So if we pull up NFL's, NFL.com's top 100 free agents, still got number six, the Honey Badger, out there. Why haven't we seen him go somewhere, Devin? I really don't know. I, I, I honestly think that Matthew really, really, really wanted to go back to Kansas City, but Kansas City was just ready to move on, and they obviously did when they signed Justin Reed. So I think he's just taking his time. He's trying to figure out where exactly he wants to go um, because, I mean, it's hard to imagine that any team would say no to him, essentially. I mean – Almost all teams in the NFL could use a top-notch safety like the Honey Badger. So he's kind of got his fair share of teams that are interested in him. So he's got a good pick. It's really just up to him. And I think he's just time, trying to take time 
um, take some time off, get away from football for a little bit, and then he'll come back and he'll make his decision. Um, but I don't really think we're going to – I mean, we've heard a lot of rumors, and the rumors have surrounded like 15 different teams. So I, up until the point where we know for sure from him, I don't think we're really going to get any like narrowed down, hey, these are the three teams he's deciding between. I think it's just going to be one day where he's like, hey, this is who I'm playing for. Right. Um, then let's talk about wide receivers for a second. So you've got Jarvis Landry. You've got Will O'Fuller. You've got Julio Jones, and you've got OBJ. I mean, I feel like the common denominator there is can they stay on the field other than Landry? I was going to say the exact same thing. It's all injury risk outside of Landry. I'm kind of interested in Landry, though. I mean, I'm curious as to why we haven't really seen him sign with anybody. He really expected Atlanta to be the answer there. They're obviously the most receiver needy team in the NFL right now with Calvin Ridley out for the foreseeable future. So I I would think Landry... I mean, that's fair. I would I would put the the Packers on similar playing field though. That's true. That's true. Um, they do have Alan Lazard, who is better than Atlanta's top receiver, who I can't even name at this point in time. So, <laughs> uh, but I mean, if you sign Jarvis Landry to a two year deal and then Calvin Ridley comes back next year, that's a good wide receiver one two tandem, and I would take that. Yeah, I mean, I see him going to either Atlanta or Green Bay. Green Bay needs just somebody, somebody with experience to kind of lead that receiver room and give Rodgers like a go-to guy. Um, and I don't see either of those two teams, just with how needy they are, taking a risk on one of these receiver or one of these injury-ridden guys. I mean, Odell hurt himself in the Super Bowl. He might not even be ready for week one. Um, and Julio is Julio ever ready for week one? It's probably the question. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, but, out, of, out of those two teams, you'd think Green Bay is probably the most likely option. They do have a lot more cap space remaining. Atlanta's below $3 million in cap space left. So unless they clear up some space, I don't think they could afford Jarvis Landry because he's going to be asking for more than that. Um, and then when you look at Green Bay, they have about $14 million. Now, you do want to set aside, I want to say anywhere between like 8 to 12 depending on the amount of draft picks that you have for your rookies. Um, so, I mean, Atlanta's going to have to clear space for them already. So I don't really think Jarvis Landry could, or they could afford to get Jarvis Landry to the team unless he takes a really, really, really team-friendly deal. Um, but who knows? Who knows? We won't know until we know, right? Right. Um, just a couple more. Wayne Brown was 14 on NFL's list. Uh, solid offensive tackle for a team. Um, getting up there in age is 37. So maybe not necessarily worth top tier money, but I mean, he performed really well for Seattle and probably shouldn't be that far off of top tier money. Uh, is there a landing spot that you see for him, Steph? I really don't know. Um, that one's so tough because he is getting up there in age. And the the thing is, with, with the fall off in age, 
you kind of don't see it coming, and then all of a sudden it's just there. So Dwayne Brown could just get injured in week three, and then you're paying him $10 million as an offensive tackle, and you're never going to get him back because he's going to turn 38 before the next season, and it, it just goes on and on in that circle. So it's hard to predict. It's really those offensive tackle needy teams who don't find a replacement in the draft. I don't think we see Dwayne Brown signed until after the draft because – Say Carolina, for instance, if they decide to take Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis over Charles Cross or Iki Aquanu or Evan Neal, then they are going to be one of those offensive tackle needy teams, and you could see them uh, shoot for a guy like Dwayne Brown. Right. Um, speaking of needy teams, I mean, the Rams only have $7 million in cap space, but Jadavian Clowney and Melvin Ingram are both still out there. If they could get a team-friendly deal on either of those two to replace Von Miller and just, like I said, give, give somebody as an edge rusher on that team, I think they would probably be well off to do it, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and even if they couldn't necessarily afford those two, you got Jerry Hughes and Trey Flowers, who are also still free agents and who are very, very capable defensive edge or edge rushers in the NFL. And they, they are a little older. Trey Flowers is 29, Jerry Hughes is 34, but, I mean, Melvin Ingram is 33, and Jadavian Clowney is also 29. So either way, you're getting an older guy, but one who could still come in and be that rotational edge rusher that you would need. Right. And then lastly, I'll just conclude with um, Gronk, who if he's not playing in Tampa, he's not playing anywhere. I think we're pretty clear and set on that opinion at this point. Yeah, I would agree. There is, I do want to say one more name. J.C. Treader has still yet to sign anywhere. Um, he was released by Cleveland. Um, I really don't know. He logged 1,000-plus snaps for the fifth straight year, and he's still a great starter, and he's a great center. So any of those, I think, I think a lot of these come down to what is going to happen next week at the draft because those teams who are trying to shoot for, okay, we want this guy, but if we can't get him, then we'll go to free agency. We'll turn back there. Um, so you never really know. We'll see. I think things will – they kind of slowed down after the first week or two of free agency, and I think they pick right back up right after the draft for these remaining guys. would love to see a Treader or an Eric Fisher come to the Bears and just kind of be a veteran leader to bring up some of those younger offensive linemen that they're trying to develop. Um, that's a great, great point out, Devin. Um so, yeah, that's it for this week. We've got one more. We've got the AFC North where I know my co-host will be as opinionated as ever. So looking forward to that. We'll turn that out here sooner rather than later. Um, Devin, what do the people need to know before we let them go here? Um, I do just want to take this moment to apologize in advance for the next episode that we will release. I might go on a rant about the Steelers. I will try to contain myself. Um, everybody that listens to this podcast, you have to understand. I mean, you're listening for a reason. You are football fans. You all have your team, and you all love to talk about them. We saw it with Cody when we were talking about the Bears. So expect nothing less than a very, very opinionated episode from me. Cody will be the voice of reason, and we shall see where it takes us from there. And I also have to apologize for last episode because I'm an idiot. Cody pointed it out to me about 10 minutes after we stopped recording. I was talking about the fan-controlled football league when 
Terrell Owens caught a touchdown pass from Johnny Football himself, not the USFL. In my defense, I did say that I wasn't really going to pay all that much attention to the USFL, and I think me messing that up proves my point. Cody, take it away. I think I'm paying even less attention to the fan-controlled football league. I I saw a highlight earlier today of, of, uh, like, the owner of a team drew up a play that they the team proceeded to run for a touchdown like <laughs> the next play and I'm I just don't under, I don't understand I don't need to watch To at 48 catch passes from Johnny Manziel Johnny I'll football watch, I'll watch okay I'll watch <laughs> baseball and basketball and get pumped for the draft before I tune into that stuff Fair enough. I'm sorry this is supposed to be a football podcast. But I'm going to keep it a NCAA and NFL podcast as long as I can help it. Uh, <laughs> guys, thanks for the listen. Uh, please like, subscribe, give us a five-star review, tell your friends about us. We don't claim to know it all. We don't claim to know much. We claim to enjoy football. We enjoy what we're talking about. Um, come, give us a listen, see what you think. Uh, interact with us. We have an email, roughthepod at gmail.com. Send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to answer any questions or address any any feedback you guys have. Um, With that, I will leave you with some vitriol, as always. We're going to go with a quote from Bill Bryson. Uh, There are only three things that can kill a farmer. Lightning rolling over in a tractor and forgetting to keep roughing the podcast. So don't let that be you. Don't forget to keep roughing the podcast and we'll see you guys soon. Have a good one. Goodbye.